This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We got a lot to get to today. Patrick Royce joins me here in just a little bit, coming out on Tuesday instead of Monday. A little schedule change this week. Um, want to talk a little bit of uh, Vikings preseason stuff. One thing that caught my eye that I thought was a little bit interesting, something we had to get used to with the schedule. Some NBA um, Summer League stuff that uh, was was pretty interesting on Monday nights. Uh, some good Wolves stuff, some fun Anthony Edwards comments, things like that. Um, twins do not win. Um, opposite of that, they can continue to get dominated by the White Sox. I think Patrick and I will probably get into that a little bit as well. But first, what did I miss? Story that uh, kind of... Feels like it's it's just kind of been sitting in the back burner a little bit, probably not to Wild fans, but maybe to me anyway, is this whole negotiation with uh, Kirill Kaprizov and the Wild. And, you know, Kaprizov, as, as far as the NHL, can only sign with the Wild, and he's kind of, you know, he's in this weird kind of contract space where he's not a, he's not a free agent. He can't sign an offer sheet anywhere else. He can only sign with the Wild, but he's using going back to play in Russia as a sort of leverage. And now that, that sort of leverage, that, that, that idea is kind of picking up some steam. There's a report in Daily Faceoff, Frank Saravalli, saying, uh, update, hearing Kirill Kaprizov has a tentative agreement in place with CSK, CSKA Moscow on a one-year eight-figure deal. That would be at least $10 million if you're counting your figures. To begin on September 1st, should a new contract not materialize with the Wild? Now, that's a key phrase in that. However, the Wild appear ready and willing to talk a medium-term length deal. Um, next tweet, initial hang-up was Minnesota was only interested in a seven- or eight-year deal for the Calder Trophy winner. That's not the case. Bunch of options in term. Kaprizov camp contends there's been no offer made since April. It says, we'll see where this goes the two sides remain in communication. Now, logically speaking, both sides have a lot of interest in getting something done um, b- before, you know, before whatever this artificially imposed deadline is. Um, you know, but you got to get something done soon. I mean, training camp isn't that far away. The Wild needs to kind of lock up its future here. This has felt like leverage all along by Kaprizov. Um, and, he, you know, even if he goes back to Moscow, the Wild would retain his rights for a number of years. He, it's not like he could just go there and become a free agent at a certain point. So this feels like it's coming to a happy conclusion, but it's in a unhappy place right now if you are the Wild, certainly. If you're Bill Guerin, I don't think you're sweating right now. You're understanding this is part of negotiation. This is part of leverage. Um, he's trying to get as many years, I guess, out of Kaprizov and his agent as possible because it sounds like Kaprizov doesn't want the eight-year deal, um, the eight-year term, essentially, that the Wild would like him to sign. Wants a shorter deal, and I get it. It makes sense for him. He's 24 right now. Signs a five-year deal. Let's say a five-year deal. He's 29, you know, 29-30 when, when free agency hits again. Um, then, then you got another shot at an even bigger contract, a bigger payday, possibly, if he continues this trajectory that he started in the in the NHL uh, last season when he was so dynamic. He's so important to the Wild right now, and that's the other piece of his leverage. Like how how much they know they need him, based on how well he played last year, based on how much he transformed their roster uh, in just that one season, that first season with the Wild. So. 
Again, I imagine this gets sorted out uh, without anything getting too acrimonious, but it, it's not in a uh, not in a fun place right now. Um, so I, I guess just sit tight. I guess if you if you're anxious, if your anxiety at the start of these negotiations was uh, you know out of justify justifiably out of like a one to ten, it was like a two or three. You know, not too worried, but hey, it's Minnesota. Anything can happen. Um, you know, maybe nudge that up a little bit to like a three or a four. Uh, but this isn't this isn't the panic button. This is more more posturing than anything I would imagine. And uh, I think this still gets resolved happily. Um, but that would be a real uh, that that would be a real blow if if this gets if this gets even more serious and for and somehow he winds up playing next season in Moscow. I think cooler heads will prevail. I think both sides have reason to get something done in a medium-term kind of deal. But again, nothing to be taken for granted. I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Happy to have Patrick Royce on today. Patrick, a lot of things I want to get to with you. First and foremost, though, there's a report in the New York Post on Monday that Major League Baseball and the website Barstool Sports uh sports website uh purveyor of other things i guess uh if we're going to be polite uh, at the outset um a partnership possibly uh to broadcast games like midweek games the whole baseball kind of broadcast package is changing um again that's a polite euphemism too because some some former carriers aren't so enthusiastic about the property anymore but uh potential for a backlash here because barstool has been you know, uh, a, a pretty aggressive site has been, uh, you know, very, very much uh, rooted in a, a misogynistic attitude. And there's there's already already been some some backlash. I've written about it. You know, if this comes to fruition, what does this tell you, I guess, Patrick, about where Major League Baseball is um, right now that they would consider this? Or do you not have as much of a, an issue with with the path they're going down as I might? Well, let me uh, what. What would they be doing? Radio broadcast? No, it would be streaming. It would be streaming. Uh, you know, it, so, oh, so they would be the streaming outlet. Like yeah. uh, like I saw that the Timber, the Lynx game on Saturday or sometime is on Facebook. So that would yes. be, they'd be on YouTube. It would be yes. like being on YouTube. The one game a week they're running on YouTube TV. So it would be yes. streaming. And But would, they, would Barstool Sports be providing the commentary then? I think they would be them. I think there's some details to iron out, as they like to say. But the the most logical explanation that I've heard is that basically it would be kind of a, a feed from one of the regional sports networks, but that oh. um, it would be, but it would be an alternate kind of the game feed itself, like the action would be from from an RSN, but that the commentary would be provided by the barstool folks. Yeah. Well, okay. So Portnoy and the boys would be yeah. uh, doing, you know, I got to tell you my familiarity with, I, I have not listened to any of their stuff more than three minutes of my life. So, uh, sure. but I do know that uh, they're walking, they're getting themselves in trouble with the, uh, 
uh, you know, because, uh, you know, are they going to have Barstool guys uh, taking note of a good looking woman in the stands and then commenting on it? Or, right. I mean, is that what you're going to, is that what they're looking Because if, if that Barstool sports audience uh, is going to tune in, they're uh, they're gonna want the usual uh, sexist comments, right? I right. Mean, that's uh, I I I don't know what the you know it it is certainly a wonderful example of the desperation uh, baseball has here to to reach a younger audience, and uh, you know, but they they have to realize that uh something like that's not gonna it's gonna cause them more trouble than it's gonna do good for them you think this suddenly would be spring some kind of a bounce back and and for uh baseball with younger audiences i i i don't think that i i i would i would say the impact is a rock in a in, in a lake don't you i mean the, yeah. the ripple effect would not be uh real long but it is telling you how uh, they they're trying to do something and they don't know what it is. I think, I think instead of serving their audience, their big problem is that, uh, you know, instead of serving their audience that they do have, their big problem is they're, they're so paranoid about 38 year old people not watching it, that they don't have any idea what to do about it. Uh, I, I guess it's, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm hearing the same old thing. I saw the same old thing. They don't do a good job of promoting their athletes, blah, blah, blah. That's a bunch of crap. It's not a sport that's made for me to turn it on and see a guy at the plate that I want to see. I got to wait till his turn comes up to the plate. It's not like turning on a basketball game and seeing LeBron James. He's going to be on the court. By you know, it's not like yeah. turning on a football game and waiting to see Patrick Mahomes. It's a completely different thing. Mike Trout can only get about twelve percent of the at bats, right? Uh, yeah. Otani can only get twelve percent. That's just the nature of the game. You have to sell the game you have, and uh, there the, these wild uh, ideas of how to reach a younger audience are not going to be the, uh, are not the answer. That's for sure. And the other, the other thing they're doing that agitates me is they want to go to seven playoff teams. Baseball is a 162 game season. It's always been constructed that, okay, it's a marathon. And at the end of the marathon, the teams that did the best are getting some strong benefit, right? It's, uh, yes. you know, and, uh, this this whole idea that you're going to become you know the, the, because what what you're basically doing is by going to seven teams is telling uh three right now you have the two teams who know they can be one and done so you're telling six teams they can be three and done right I mean right. it's uh it's it's the subtracting from the from the from the season long accomplishment and your if your team's six games under 500 and you're fighting for a playoff spot you're not fooling the public you're not fooling the public okay the public knows that you're to be a playoff team you should have to win 90 games shouldn't you i mean that's I would uh, think so, or something close to yeah, it, yeah yeah something in the 80s you, you should have to win something so i mean they just they're doing a lot of 
silly things to try to reach out to a younger audience. And the, the best thing they can do is come up with a way to shorten the game and, and uh, get the ball and play more often. Those are the two biggest problems. And number three, streaming itself, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, that's, you know, you, you were saying uh, what the twins TV ratings are horrible, right? They're terrible. Yeah. They're down more than half. They were like, yeah, the household the households reached right now is is down more than half from 2019, almost down half from last year, which is amazing. And you know what is that? That's that's 50 percent being no, that's probably 75 percent being terrible, but it's also 30 percent. There's probably 30 percent fewer cable home households now than there were in 2019. Right. Or, tw- or 2020, like the, the Hulu yeah. and YouTube arrangements ended at the end of last regular yes, season. That's that's true. That's true, too. Yes. I mean, that's, you know, instead of worrying about whether ball, ball, ball bar stool sports is going to have a get their audience involved once a week. How about the people that want to actually watch baseball who can't because, uh, you know, because the Bally Sports is uh, playing hardball and they can't make a deal with uh, the, the streaming outlets. That's, that's, that's the huge problem here for goodness sakes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, hope talk- I mean, it's hurting. Yeah. It's, it's uh baseball is hurting. There's no doubt about it. And uh, you know, the funny thing is I think the most telling comment I had was I was talking to a high school baseball coach and he told me, he said, the kids like to play baseball as much as the kids that are involved in playing baseball like to play the game as much as they ever liked it. The problem is they don't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> even when even the hardcore kid who plays baseball doesn't watch it. And it's not because of streaming. They'll go and look on their phones at a highlight if they hear about a highlight, but they don't sit down and watch a twins game. And that's, that's the biggest problem with the game. It just, you know, in the video age, in the video game age, it just doesn't relate. Yeah, no, it's true. And you brought up a number of things I want to cir- circle back on one, um, you know, this idea of twins TV ratings, that's, that's a good point. You know, just not being available, not being able, not, you know, it's not serving the audience you have right now. Hope to get into that a little bit more later this week on the show with Twins President Dave St. Peter. So we'll, we'll uh, hopefully be able to get into a little bit more of that with him. You mentioned length of game. Um, that's the biggest problem, right? I mean, they're driving away audience with the pace, with the length. The Twins and Astros played a <laughs> nine inning game a couple of days ago. It was seven to five. You know, nothing terribly unusual at a seven to five final score. It was four hours and seven minutes, Patrick. I just looked it up. Four hours yeah. and seven. Like, there's, there's just. But like that, that bothers me. I love watching baseball, but you're, you're killing your product and in getting barstool sports involved. Isn't a, isn't going to help that. And B yeah, I know you want to get them involved for gambling purposes down the line, things like that. Yeah. There's revenue there, but is that really like, is that really a long-term play? I don't know. Honest to God, Mike, I was laying on the couch. I was, I'd gotten up early and I'd been up all day the day before and I fell asleep. And I'm watching the Twins game, and I'm 
about the third inning. And I, w- I was sleeping for two hours and I woke up and it was the seventh. <laughs> I, I, I turned, I turned it on. Like I was like, Oh, if I kind of forgot to watch the twins, it was like three forty-five or so. I was like, Oh, I hope it's still on. Turned on. It was like the sixth <laughs> inning. I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. It's uh, it's yeah. It's just sometimes they, you know, you know, what's the underrated problem of modern baseball? No. Foul balls. Yeah. Foul balls. Keep the ball in play. You know, it, I, I don't think we can ever get to the one radical idea you never hear is, okay, you get four of them and then you're out. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, like they do in Little League or some of these places. They got to, you, you got to get more sincere efforts to hit the ball instead of just to foul it off. It's, it's incredible the number of eight pitch at bats. It's, uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. What would, you know what? what would announcers how far do? Away from, how far away from three balls and two strikes? Yeah, that would be pretty radical, wouldn't it? I mean, that's a. The one that, but it would, the only trouble is it would, it would make the strikeout totals just enormous. But uh, right. you got to do something to get guys to swing the bats, and you got to do something to get pitchers to throw the ball over the plate. Everybody, nobody. You know, the old pitcher, the Ferguson Jenkins, who ended up in the Hall of Fame, throwing it over, you know. you know, he, right. His goal was to go nine innings and throw 93 pitches. That's Everybody's trying to make a perfect pitch right now. Even yeah. Bo Burrows is trying to make a perfect pitch right now. Not a lot of them were perfect uh, <laughs> Monday. We, maybe no. we should talk about that game. 11-1, to 1, I think, was the final against the White Sox. The Twins have just gotten absolutely creamed by the White Sox all season. Um, the the Mike, White Sox have hit like Mike. 30, 30 some home runs. I can't remember how many it's been. It's just oh. been lopsided. And you look at the pitching matchups right now and back to your, back to one point you made about, you know, the, the expanded playoffs. I'm just realizing now though, how hard it is when a team is just playing out the string. We've had so many years like this with, with the Twins and they probably wouldn't be in any kind of contention right now anyway, but the one argument for a little bit of playoff expansion is that you've got fewer teams playing out the string like this in August and September, where these games just, they just don't matter unless you really care about the prospects. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one thing you have to, uh, you know, one thing you, you know, you have to do is maybe more bring up the young guys to get somebody to look at them. But we, the twins don't have a feed on sitting over there right now that you got to go. Did you want to see anyway? Right. They don't Not have a healthy them, one. So. Yeah. But here's, here's, here's my theory. When you put up, when you pick up a guy like Bo Burroughs, what, what do you hope this is going to accomplish long-term? Do you think suddenly this guy's this, he was once a high draft choice, but, I mean, you're, you're claiming these guys and running them out there when they have no chance to ever do anything meaningful for you. Uh, it's, it, it just drives me crazy that you just take, oh, it's throwing darts. Somebody gets let go, they claim them, they run them out there and you're just filling innings. You're not trying to have anybody that can develop into something and uh you know accomplish something you did you know it used to be if you were calling if you were throwing pitchers out there in august it was because you thought they had a chance this guy's got no chance they got four of them on it that have no chance this is uh i i don't know it's just you, you watch that game last night and it was just 
and then you see Rocco's quotes about uh, he talked to him after the second inning and he, he really felt bad. Okay, that makes me feel good, Rocco, that that a guy would give up eight or whatever it is, give up five before you stop, you know, before you knew what hit you. And, but he felt bad about it. Okay, Rocco, thank you. How about telling me that he stunk? <laughs> you know? Which he did. Yes. Yeah, and I don't have a Griffin Jackson, know. Bailey Ober in the uh, last two games of the series. At least those guys have shown a little something so far this year that's it's not a not a total uh that's not those aren't aren't give up games they want to see what these guys can do at least one other one other thing i've noticed is uh you know in the last year or so uh when you write stuff about the twins and you look at our you know our if you look at our stories and then look at the comments uh unless it's something controversial you know uh, nobody, nobody comments on it. nobody. Yeah. There's no, you know, there's like two guys that'll comment and saying the poll, the problem is the poll lot's the cheap poll and we, we shouldn't have given them money for the <laughs> right. stadium. And, you know, which now was 12 years ago, but, but the, 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 the you got your Vikings and the Timberwolves and the, I mean, not the Timberwolves, but the, NBA stuff they don't around here the Vikings are I mean it's it's never been there's never been anything as dominant as the Vikings are right now but no. the baseball baseball might might be right there with the loons as far as uh, interest of newspaper readers from what I can see not I not the you know at least startribune.com readers they get very yeah. few comments on those stories yeah Patrick, really quick before we go, um, I talked about this at the beginning of the show. Are you, what's your, uh, if I told you that uh, Kirill Kaprizov has a eight-figure contract, a one-year eight-figure contract on the table, reportedly from a team in Moscow, what's your level of concern? <laughs> this is going to go sideways versus this is just negotiation and everything's going to well, be fine. I'm not saying everything's going to be fine. They, they're going to have to get off, you know, Garen's going to have to get off his idea that he's going to get him for long term for $8 million a year. That ain't happening. Or even six or seven that they were offering, uh, you know, sign him to a three year deal for 24 million and let him be a free agent would be my get. But I, whenever I hear this, I always remember the, uh, uh, when Kevin McHale, I think it was Simon, Ron Simon was his agent and they were, they were threatening for, that they they were going to Europe and uh, Kevin was going to negotiate with Italy with an Italian team to get the (laughs) Celtics to pay him more. And the famous story is uh, that Simon's, you know, we're going to do this. They're threatening him. And Simon calls the Bill Fitch, who was the general manager and coach of, and, and his, and the, and, And Fitch answers the phone and says, Bongiorno. (laughs) You know, know, now obviously that was more BS than going back to Russia. But I always think of, I always, when I hear that, I always remember the Fitch story. (laughs) Bongiorno. That's terrific. terrific. You're going to, I'm going to pay you what you're not, what I'm going to pay you. So come back from Italy, you dummies. I don't know if they ever went over there. They just threatened to went over. I think they actually went over there. I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, you gotta, I mean, Hey, you were terrible. And then you got him 
and you were good. That's okay. his leverage. That's, That's his all. leverage right there. That's all. all we have to do is look yep. at that. Yep. Suddenly you were, you know, you, you made other improvements, but you don't have him. You're not making the playoffs. Or if you do, you're an eight seed or yep. something like that. You know, you, you need him, pay him, forget about the, you know, the, the balanced roster and all that stuff. You need this kid and you also need him for the excitement that you're, you're bringing the, you know, to, to your fans and it, and you just look like morons if uh, you, you don't have him on your roster when training camp starts. It's a weird to me that he's got some kind of a, because they, they, because they gave him a contract, uh, hoping he could play in the right. in the bubble. Right, they burned they, that they, year basically. Yeah, they burned a year. Some they got themselves in this situation where I, I don't know how would the, after his rookie year the guy can be in this situation where he doesn't have to come to camp. Right? I mean, he doesn't. They have no. It's not like the N and you know the NFL where they can find you for not being in camp. Right. You know, it's uh. You know, I, I don't know how they got themselves in this predicament. It was it's kind of stupid, to be honest. And, uh, you know, but Garen's a hard nose. So uh, it'll uh, it'll be uh, it'll it'll be interesting what happens here. Because I don't think there's any way. As we were, as we said before, Mike, you had we have the odd situation of a player fighting for a shorter contract. <laughs> exactly. You don't see that. I don't, don't want eight years. Give me four or five. I don't want to. Oh, Although you'd see it with rookies in the NFL, if yes. they had their way, they'd yeah. sign for they, they'd rather not be first rounders. No, I mean, yeah. they get some money, but the, right. the fact that they they don't have the you know they got them that for five years year, five years of right. cheap money. So anyway, all right, sir, good stuff. Right. Appreciate it. We'll do this again next week. All right, all right, thanks, Mike. Good stuff from Patrick, as always, and uh, should have him back on the Monday schedule next week. Um, I want to talk a little NBA uh, Summer League right now because the Wolves were interesting on Monday night on a couple of fronts. One, Anthony Edwards was in attendance in Vegas. Um, big big news there. Sounds like he's healthy. He got interviewed um, on camera, and uh, you know, sounds like everything's okay in that regard. So you know, there was some concern about an injury he had sustained with USA Basketball, but that seems like it's a uh, that seems like it's getting better uh, at the very least. So, uh, but he did an, he did a courtside interview with uh, with ESPN. Here, here's a tiny clip from just the the personality of Anthony Edwards coming through in that clip. I got baptized in uh, Lake Minnetonka. I uh, hit a couple backflips, you know, uh, swimming. I'm going back out there real soon. Meet me at Lake Minnetonka. All Minnesota fans, I'm going back out there. Uh, jet skis, everything. We're gonna have fun. Can you swim? Yeah, like Michael Phelps. Like Michael Phelps. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Multi-talented baby. Lo- love it. Looking forward to hearing him uh, express himself even more in this upcoming season. But the bigger news, of course, that he's sounds like he's healthy and should be a full go as they gear up for training camp here in a little while. Um, on the court was more interesting too. Nathan Knight. Um, caught my eye a little bit. And again, you know, this is summer league. This is, you know, not the NBA, not the real deal, but he's a two-way guy. Um, he's a big, the Wolves need bigs, you know, 6'10", 250, somewhere in that range, had 19 points, nine rebounds um, in the summer league. As the summer league Wolves beat the summer league Spurs 91-89, he had the game-winning 
hoop as well. Um, you know, Jalen Noel had 24. Jaden McDaniels had 18. Um, local local guy, McKinley Wright, had a, had a nice game too, eight points. Um, he was a plus six in the game. He started as well. But uh, Nathan Knight was the one that really caught my eye. Um, as someone who could potentially help them next year, I want to see a lot more before I'm ready to declare that. But he's a two-way contract. He played for the Hawks last season. Probably caught up in a little bit of a numbers game there. Um, he was undrafted out of college, William and Mary, in uh, 2020. But uh, you know, someone who has some uh, has some interesting uh, some interesting skill sets that they could potentially use. And uh, you know, he, here here he was talking about his own performance after the game. I think you know, summer league in general um, is an opportunity for guys to come out and showcase what they can do, showcase their strengths. And, you know, those are some of my strengths. I'm a hard worker. I'm a communicator. I'm a defender. Um, and today was a product of that. Um, and most importantly, I want to win. Uh, it looks a lot better on your resume when you win these games too. So, you know, coming out here, having fun with those guys, competing, getting up and down, I think that's just, you know, it just, it just, comes, it just comes with the game. Now, summer league coach Jeff Newton also had praise for Knight, talking about how he could fit into this year's team. Interesting thing about Newton, though, is he wasn't supposed to coach the Summer League team. He was uh, hastily promoted into that role when we found out on Monday that Joseph Blair is leaving the Wolves staff for a promotion, going to the Wizards. Um, This is an interesting kind of maneuver because Blair was supposed to uh, essentially kind of be the, the defensive coach here. And now, you know, now the Wolves will be scrambling a little bit. Most of the offseason, you know, coaching carousel has stopped, except, you know, except with Washington, obviously, which, which you know, didn't fill its head coaching job all that long ago and now has has taken Blair away from the Wolves staff. So be interesting to see who the replacement is. Uh, no, not the summer league coach, because we know that's that's Newton, but uh, who the who the summer league, uh, who, who the defensive coach will be in the regular season for the Wolves, uh, an area that they need to improve on greatly if they're going to have any sort of success this season. Let's finish with the cooler. One thing I'd forgotten about is the NFL season, of course, now at 17 games. That means there's only three preseason games this season, which is fine, probably just as well, um, that they do away with one of those preseason games. What it does, though, is it changes kind of the scheduling of how how coaches use their players during the uh, during the preseason, Mike Zimmer was asked about that on Monday. Vikings head coach saying he's thought about it a lot, trying to figure out when to use you know his kind of starters, his core players, when to really deploy them in in the preseason. It used to be we would term the uh, the third preseason game the all important third preseason game because that was when a lot of the starters played you know at least a half of the game to try to get up to game speed, and then the last game was more about reserves playing uh, before cutdowns, trying to see who your backups were. That could get shifted down one. That second preseason game could now become the all-important preseason game if you are trying to mark your calendars appropriately. Think of it in that way. That'll do it for today. Thanks so much for joining me and Patrick Royce on Daily Delivery today. Back at it again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Download this podcast. Please write a review. Leave a rating. If you would, wherever you get your finer podcasts, and I will get you again on Wednesday.